Hello, this is Zachary Oliver from Theology Gaming. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. Now, you, as you've probably noticed, we've on a two-week schedule, but this is an addendum to the original podcast we did about El Shaddai. Because uh, <laughs> I made Joshua Collar play the game, and then we had the podcast on a day which he wasn't available. And I feel very sad about that. So, I decided, hey, why not Collar? You can go talk about the game, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come back and, uh, and just make make room for me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, you bought the game yeah. because of me, so well, you should probably go talk about it. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was a certain level of that. I uh, I was definitely interested in it based on, as you had, had mentioned before, uh, um, Richard Clark had written some articles about it, and I had listened to a podcast that he and uh, Drew Dixon and, and uh, Luke Larson from our, our fellow Game Church Folk, um, had recorded over a year ago. It was like last uh, a year ago fall. Um, so like fall of 2011, they recorded a podcast, and like there was a huge gap between there for Christ and pop culture. But it was all about them talking specifically about uh, the the influential games of 2011 that related to religion and the most mm-hmm. significant. I'll this. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, gonna, uh, it's, I'll put a link to this later. Yeah, it's it's only a couple. It's a, it's actually only a couple, like maybe ten podcasts back on a uh, Christ and Pop Cultures podcast, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And they talked about El Shaddai and uh, the Binding of Isaac, which were two games that discussed something that was rem- remotely biblically related um, in in that year. And it was kind of like a significant thing because there wasn't that many games that had started to do that up until more recently, or and and even just touching on the subject of religion in, in any way, shape, or form. It's been mostly off hands. So yeah, I yeah, remember that. But yeah, so um, yeah, that, that, that's what triggered my interest and in hearing, hearing them praising the game, and especially Richard Clark. But uh, I, 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 So it got me super-duper interested. I mean, he and I, we have pretty similar tastes. And I, I know that, you know, even though your tastes might run against some of the grain in terms of what the rest of us really like and our preferences, you being more on the gameplay and us being a little bit more um, experiential, experimental, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but um, nevertheless, I thought that this would be an interesting... The main reason why I thought it would be great for us to talk about it on Theology Gaming at large and why I maybe pushed you a little tiny bit in, in, in the moving forward with, with this discussion was because uh, we, 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 we discussed Journey. We discussed how you have a preference for the... Devil May Cry, um, Metal Gear Revenge- Rising Revengeance, all about the action core experience of the game. And uh, El Shaddai is literally a mix of the two. You got like that, I mean, you got the, the, that kind of like artsy, it's all about the journey. It's all it, it, like you could yeah. get to the end of El Shaddai and it's like, I, what did I just experience? I, I know I experienced something. <laughs> I don't quite understand the whole thing. It's a bad mix of those games, though. That's what the problem is. with. Well, that, that's your opinion. It's not my opinion. <laughs> it is bad. It is seriously bad and deficient when compared to other games that are similar. And that's the problem with it. I mean, from an art design perspective, it's wonderful. But just from yeah. the mechanics and all well, these other things, there's just little flaws that really just bring it down. Maybe. I mean, a lot a lot of the things that really charm me about it, like, you know me, I don't really like Japanese games. That's, that's unfair yeah. for me to say. <laughs> I mean, like, like, like it's, it's not my preference. Modern um, Japanese games, I think, is what you mean. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one the one thing that that really stands out is that, like, there's there's. The one thing that bugs me about so many Japanese games is that they they tell stories that me coming from a Western perspective where we have subtle, unique drama and we have, you know, we have the unique, you know, we have some storytelling 
things in our culture which really, really bug us. Even in, in action movies where we have to like suspend our, our disbelief sometimes, we have like we're really bothered by plot holes a lot of the time. Mm. And uh, Final Fantasy, in my mind, and and you know similar JRPGs, I have a hard time connecting with. So I saw El Shaddai and I kind of blew it plot off because it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Plot holes. <laughs> plot holes. Yeah. I mean, not, not, it's not so much plot holes as much as things that just don't make sense in my mind. Like, I don't understand how they're happening. And while, while El Shaddai has tons and tons of things that are completely open to interpretation and questionable in a variety of ways. Or don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, just, just well, uh, yeah, there, there are a couple of things. Yeah, there are things that don't make sense. But there are things that honestly are abstract, and I felt like they were really, really smart interpretations of subjects. Just, just kind of getting into it, I guess. Um, the one thing that you guys talked about in, in the, the previous podcast was about how um, all the Watchers have this Cyclops eye thing, where they, they all have this very similar armor, and they all keep coming back to that, as, as Ted called it, the Cyclops thing. Um, and that's entirely a reference to the all-seeing eye. Like, that's, like, the highest order of oh. pagan, pagan, um, Freemason. Yeah, uh, I was thinking Freemason. The yeah, pyramid it, it, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's totally, like, I mean, it's the all-seeing eye. It's the highest, it's like the penthouse suite of the occult. Like, it's it's the, the, the highest order. I mean, any, anybody I know who's who uh, does any kind of deliverance ministry or, or helps um, people to, to be free from spiritual bondage of any kind, um, know that the Freemasons kind of have like some really, really messed up, nasty, satanic stuff attached to them. Huh, the um, Eye of Providence. Interesting. Yeah. That's what it's called. Okay. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Wikipedia. But the, I mean, the implication and the reason why all the, all the Watchers have that is because the symbol is is kind of an attack on God's omniscience, on his ability to see all things and know all things. And it's kind of uh, the symbol represents the idea that they that that the people who 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 hide behind that eye are seeing more, knowing more, and everything is shrouded, everything is veiled, and the only way to access that is through secrets and through kind you know, for lack of a better term, the uh, occult. Because I, I I'm kind of confused by this because it. The game kind of gives mixed messages on this. Oh yeah, of, yeah, because yeah. of Lucifer has to talk to God on the cell phone. Yeah, and, and that and, and that, that implies God it. doesn't know everything that's going on. Yeah, and that and that's and that's part of the that's part of the the structure and the narrative, and that's why the, a lot of why the story is hard to follow because our narrator is an unreliable narrator. Lucifer is the the deuteragonist. He's the second most important character in the entire story, and he's also the one telling the story. But at the very very intro, right before you start the game, when the, when it loops and and kind of gives like a little bit of a lead into the story before the actual game starts. It's a, Lucifer says, let me tell you a story. It, be, it started 360,000, no, 14,000 years ago. And so you know straight from the, straight from off the cuff, like he's, when things actually happen in the story and where things are going in the story, he's subtly changing. And the whole way through the game, you're like, I know his name is, he's Lucifer, he's Lucifer. He's, his name isn't even that, that thickly shrouded. So we don't quite understand how he fits into the story or why he's there, except for the fact that he's still taking the name that God originally gave him. Is this like before he fell from heaven? Was he the one who led the angels? And you're waiting through the whole game wondering, like, is he going to betray me? Like, you expect him to betray you the whole way through the game. Yet he's the one who's telling the story. So you have, like, this weird thing to go on. You're like, 
where do I trust here? Yeah, I don't understand what the cosmology of the game is. So that's why I find it suspect when uh, <laughs> when when you can come up with this interpretations, right? Yeah, because yeah. because it's not saying like, oh, God is omniscient or that uh, there's Satan, you know, Lucifer turns into Satan. This may be an entirely different thing. I think as we pointed out with the the progress of human evolution or something yeah. to that effect, yeah. it's not really following in the traditional Judeo-Christian narrative. It's kind oh, of true. reinterpreting it in a different yeah. model. And as far as the unreliable narrator thing goes, I don't know whether the game wants me to think it is reliable or not. And yeah. I think that's the problem with it. Because usually a game or some kind of story like that will make it clear at some point by the end that you could make that kind of interpretation. But this game goes so straightforward and then it just ends when you fulfilled the objective you're supposed to do that. It does feel like in some sense it wants me to take it exactly as things happened. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, I do do feel that. I don't know. From what, like I said, when I uh, when we were talking, I think before the podcast, like. When I started the first couple chapters in the game, I really didn't understand what the heck was going on. Like, I'm like, and, and, and you and Ted were, when, when you and Ted were talking about it, and, and, and I think Joe chimed in, but you, the, the point of it t- Enoch wandering for like, what was it, 400 years, 4,000 years, something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah, like he, he wandered like trying to find this thing. I don't remember any of that. Like, I don't even remember <laughs> that part. Um, all I remember is starting out and you're riding down on a giant hand in the sky and you're constantly being tossed into <laughs> battle with these with these watchers and you all you know is that you're you're supposed to stop them somehow and you start the very first p- time you start controlling Enoch in the game you're in this this medieval style armor and all we know is that it doesn't work <laughs> and 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 there's these you're constantly thrown throughout the whole game you're you're thrown into battles with the watchers and you don't know whether or not you're actually able to beat them until you're knocked down and then it's like oh okay this i wasn't supposed to be able to win this fight oh maybe you are i don't know i hate those sequences <laughs> yeah i could I mean, I mean i can see how how that that, that would that would bother be bothersome i mean they're they're slightly less new less cumbersome than yeah i, I get uh, that they're trying to attack your subconscious or something like that yeah but, but when it comes up and it's like, oh, am I supposed to win? Am I not supposed to win? Did I yeah. do bad? Did I not? And then, you know, you die or you knock them out or whatever happens. And, and that's and that's part of the problem with the structure of the game. Well, well part of the, 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 the quality of the game is, is that unreliable narrative. Because the most important part of establishing a world, establishing anything in, in, fact, in fiction and literature at large, is having a reliable narrator. If you don't have a reliable system... Um, it's hard. It's it's nearly impossible and and untrustworthy for a people for a person to build and understand what's going on around them. And that's why one of the first things they teach you in 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 screenwriting school and and in any screenwriting seminar is try to stay away from dream sequences. <laughs> dream it's sequence. True. Yeah. And and my problem is the fact that I absolutely love dream sequences. Like I'm like, there's there's like a primal subtle like reality of breaking through and one of the things people hated about dragon age was the fact that there was you go into the fade and you you have to go through these dream sequences when you're even either when you start out as a mage or when you uh a couple points where you're like succumbed into uh the fade which is this abstract um dreamlike world oh that's weird (laughs) yeah and and it was it was an interruption of the core aspect of the game which for me, I love that sort of thing. Like, like when when you have a core mechanic of the game and it's constantly getting interrupted, 
um, or getting interrupted fairly frequently with something that just betrays everything that you've been taught. I don't know. I just think that that's that that's the unexpected mm-hmm. nature of that. Yeah, I know. I know. You, uh, that's, that's completely the opposite of everything that you know and love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the unique thing about games is that it can't throw things at you that you aren't prepared for in the traditional sense. It can teach you tools yeah. for things that will happen in the future without you knowing that that skill will be required. But usually it should never throw something at you that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. And I mean and that, and you brought that up and that and that's probably why you were so so bothered by Azazel's realm in in uh, El Shaddai where all of a sudden you're in the future and oh, I, I have a light bike. Well, I don't mind the light bike. I think that's oh, really? the sequence in the whole game, but <laughs> But um it's just I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was great too. Or, I mean like a lot a lot of that comes down to um the main thing the main reason why I think I love El Shaddai as a game so much is because it takes the subject that in American Christian subculture, we're so inundated with white angels with blonde hair and robes and wings. And that's the picture of heaven. Everyone gets a harp. Everything in that realm is crystal clear. Harps. Yeah, everyone gets harps. Everyone has to sing 1990 CCM worship. <laughs> you can all sing El Shaddai, too. Yeah, yeah. Sing along to Amy Grant. And, and, that's, and that's where we go. Uh, but El Shaddai as a game takes all of those things and challenges all of what you know of it. Maybe not challenges in a, in a like tangible, like overt, like you're being challenged sense, but gives, uh, gives an active imagination to a much more open interpretation. Just something, basically, like, like Ted said, you know, you give the subject to a, a, school, a, a schoolroom full of art students and said, go have fun with all of this. <laughs> and, and then suddenly you have archangels that are flying swans. Like, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm fine. I think the game looks great. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't know, it doesn't contribute to the game itself. And that's really my biggest issue with it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. When I mean, it gets I, to that part with Armoros and all these weird, um, you know, the darkness, which is some kind yeah. of ambiguous villain. Yeah, is well, it evil or not? I don't know. Yeah, and that's and that's the question, too. Like, the darkness is like Sheol or, or Hades Hell, you know, that sort of thing. But where did it come from? Why is it there? You know, like, that's very unclear, especially considering our whole story is being narrated by a, you know, designer jeans and, and silk shirt wearing... <laughs> Lucifer, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> he's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, he's well, a handsome man. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as as far as like you you had mentioned and, and Ted had mentioned in terms of the mechanics of of the game, and there are certain parts where the platforming is just bad. Like oh, there is. there's there's certain parts where like when I first showed my wife the game, her her first response to it was, "This is the worst thing you've ever showed me." <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 wait, it's really pretty. Like, she, I'm like, you don't understand. Because I was caught in, like, a platforming sequence where I just had to, like, time the jumps right. And it was awkward. And I had to trigger switches. And it was in the, the Nephilim, Nephilim realm where everything was just... Oh, yeah, that one. This shifting camera acting. angles in the middle of jumps. Yeah. It's like rule number one. Do not do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like N64 level lesson right there. <laughs> yeah, um, use the for... C buttons to change your camera angle in air. You know. Yeah, yeah, and in this one, you don't even have C buttons. You don't have. You don't have <laughs> no, you don't even get to the camera. Troll it. <sighs> yeah, it was interesting to hear that you prefer to use the close range weapon, the veil. Um, I, I actually prefer to use the arch, just because that was m- most beneficial for the 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 jumping sequences. But 
I was constantly changing weapons, and I really I liked all of them. I thought that they were they all had. I thought that when the, you're early in the game and suddenly you have all three weapons and you're told like this is all you're gonna get, I was like, I have no idea what they're they're gonna have to do something really special to switch all this up to keep it interesting for me. And I think you felt that it didn't keep things switched up and interesting enough. No, they don't. <laughs> I, I really like the weird parts where all of a sudden you're on light bikes or when you're in, suddenly in control of Armoros and you're in a dance battle with him, sort of. <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you, you defeat, you, and spoiler alert, you defeat Armoros and he starts crying because you get sucked into the, the darkness and you're going after into the darkness to, to rescue Nana, who's a little girl. And then all of a sudden... He screams. <laughs> he screams. The only thing that Armoros knows how to say is, Whoa! Oh, God. And, and, that's, and that's it. And then, and then for some reason, he's really upset that you had you sacrificed yourself. And I so guess they're decides, best friends, Enoch and Armoros. I, didn't, yeah, I don't yeah, remember that. Yeah, I don't know where they, they pulled that from. But yeah, Enoch was the one who taught Armoros to love uh, humans and of course Amaras turned that into uh, turned humans into a weird suit non idol where they he let, made them turn him into an idol which is which is confusing. Um, <laughs> but in any case, so Amaras goes after Enoch in into Hades, which I'm like, whoa! I did not expect to control one of the one of the the fallen angels that I was supposed to send be sent to kill or purify or whatever I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. I didn't, ex- I, I, I thought that was a great subversion of expectation. I did figure it would happen at some point, right? Uh, well, Cause you had, to, you have to give some variety, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, and you're probably better at, 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 te- at recognizing and predicting for foretelling and all that stuff, all that stuff in, in, in fiction. I'm, I'm always surprised when I'm supposed to be expri- surprised. I'm just daft, I guess. <laughs> No, my, wife, my wife always knows when something's going to happen. She calls it in movies all the time. I think and it depends ca- on your, um, what do you call it? level of engagement. So hmm. you were engrossed enough in the experience that you weren't paying attention, like analytically to the stuff that happens. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a but nicer that's way fine. of putting it than, it than saying, well, Josh, you're just dumb. Yeah, well, sometimes, <laughs> no, my brain, like yeah. when I go into these games, I go, oh, I know this is going to happen, right? Yeah. Because yeah. my and brain I, is looking at it actively, and I can't shut it off. And, and so. a lot of a lot of the mechanics of games actually tell you, like, imply what's actually going to be happening to you. Like, and and and, and so many game plots are so entirely predictable just because of what they are. I mean, you play Dishonored, you know you're going to be dis- betrayed. You know, it's it's just yeah. kind of like. Mean? <laughs> but in any case, so what happened uh, su- surprised me after. Uh, you you get to get Amaros goes and tries to save Enoch and he, and you know ultimately are controlling him and you do. Um, Enoch is trapped within his own soul for a very long period of time and and a lot of this stuff is you, you don't know quite what to do with it when it's happening. You're like what just happened and that's why I think it's convenient that at the end of each chapter, uh, Lucifer summarizes what just happened and you know usually that's kind of like redundant but in this case it's it's clarifying to me at least even though it's. Still I thought it very, clarified like every chapter because <laughs> sometimes it didn't make any sense what just happened. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden Enoch is trapped within himself in the level after playing as Armoros. You're playing as Dark Enoch, caught within his own mind, <laughs> <laughs> and and apparently this goes on for like a very long period of time because there's enough time for Nana to grow up and get a new name. Ten years. Yeah, like it's like ten yeah. years that he's like trapped within it, like he's in a crystal form, which I thought was very Final Fantasy. 
<laughs> yeah, it did go a little that place. Yeah, yeah. And and yet it still didn't bother me, which is surprising. Maybe think... maybe the problem with the game with me is more that uh, one, you can't really tell what the stakes are because nothing really bad ever happens to you. Uh, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, and then like second, when you go through the various levels, um, you know, it'll say like Azazel's realm or Ezekiel's yeah. realm or whatever, right? You know whose realm you're in, but you don't know what's going to happen. While you're yeah, in. you'll go through the whole thing, and then sometimes there'll be a boss, and sometimes there won't. Actually, I think why are they on different levels? I don't understand. Yeah. Almost all the time, you're, well, I mean, like, imagine you're going over to your friend's house. What's the likelihood, like, say you have ten friends, or eight friends in this case, and every time you go over to their house, you know, they might be in the other person's house, because they're all friends. I don't know, that's just my, my, my cheap deduction. It's <laughs> not a very video game way of structuring it, I know, it, I, I know, think, is, I know. The, is well, the issue I'm having. Truly, though, they, uh, almost all the time, there's a boss. Whether, like, when you first get to Ezekiel's realm, her, it's the first time that you fight these giant war pigs, which... Oh, uh, the war picks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not there, but at least her pets are, you know? And then you fight them again. <laughs> yeah, well, you fight at least one of Yeah, you fight, maybe, I don't remember if you fight fight, them, fight both of them again. I know you fight one of them again. You fight um, one of them again. It's like, it's like, it's like, those are like the two babies, and later you fight the mama. I think that's what's happening. Which is, which, which still, like, like, like the pig, like, I, I, if you're going to pick, like, a random animal to seem, like, anti, anti-god, like, the pig's a pretty good option. I mean, like, it's... <laughs> It, it's it's the most uncircumcised, you know, non-kosher. Yeah, you know. the cloven hoof. Yeah, yeah. You can't eat that thing. If they're eating it, they're not obeying God. That's the simple, the simple, you know, Old Testament implications here. It'd be more interesting <laughs> if they actually picked all this symbolism without actually knowing what any of it meant. <laughs> because that's my guess is that that's probably what it was. Yeah, I'm. I'm really well. Honestly, I think that they they were. I mean, it's just fascinating to me that this team picked this subject dug into it, got inspired, and ran with it, and got a lot of really subtle images that fit, that were open to interpretation. One of my favorite parts, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rabbit-trailing myself here. <laughs> remember, remember when early in the game, all, like you're, it's one of the very, very first side-scrolling platforming er- elements where you're going through a, um, a glass, I'm sorry, I'm for, suddenly I'm forgetting the name of the word. None of us know. Side, side glass, <laughs> where... Uh, Dyed glass. What, what's the right word? Um, um, like Stained cathedral. Glass? Stained glass. Yeah. Why is my <laughs> mind's not working? I'm dumb. I'm sorry. But yeah, so you're going through a stain, stained glass oh, cathedral, this. and it shows all the, the archangels as they're typically interpreted by humans, by Christians in our Renaissance and stuff like that. Um, and it showed all of them, and in, in a very unique kind of like subtle way, one of the, like Lucifer's like, huh, so funny how humans think of us. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I thought that that had a lot more of setting up the way an explanation for where the Japanese designers went and how they took things and said like so often we, uh, you know, as they put it, humans always interpret angels in this particular way. So they specifically wanted to take all of it and interpret it at least a little differently. Hmm. You know what? I wonder if the guy who was in charge of this really was thinking this because that would make it very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to it would be great to actually like seek them out and see what 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 could be discovered yeah. from beyond. I mean, this 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 game hasn't gotten a lot of coverage in any. Um, I mean, in mainstream press, it was kind of like, yeah, everyone's going to slap a six on it and publish the review. Um, I think there is a sequel. That's they're working on another game. 
I know they're working on something because there hasn't been anything that's been revealed for a little while now. And yeah, they're they're definitely working on it. But uh... yeah, I, I'm I'm really 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 intrigued now because um, I mean there, there's been plenty of feedback on on what people thought of this, but I still feel like a lot of reductionism. Like the main reason why I completely ignored it at first is because. This was back in my shame, shame um, IGN <laughs> IGN reader days, where they were pretty much the main place that I would go to check out things. Twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? I've grown up a lot. I've grown up a lot in the last two well, years. Well, you know what? IGN's not bad. Just let, let, sometimes they are. It depends yeah, well, on what I mean, game. As far as about. yeah, it, it depends entirely upon what kind of game and what the biases of, of that particular reviewer are. And, and that's with any review, really. But the, I mean, they just slapped a five on it, and like any time you get you see a game come out that gets a five, I mean, that's just like you you read the score and you're like, oh, I'll just keep walking past. <laughs> and I, and I didn't draw any more attention to it. I just thought, you know, well, those Japanese guys, they probably aren't going to be able to figure out how to handle the subject of a game of, of a game named after God. Like, yeah, like they'd be able to make anything that's remotely interesting and. Um, it's. It, I'd say that El Shaddai is about as divisive for people's opinion as like Darren Aronofsky's early films, like uh, Pi or uh, Those, uh, the other one. Yeah, or, the drugs. Yeah, well, yeah, the, that one, or um, specifically the Fountain. The Fountain is one of my personal favorite movies because it was dealing with the subject of of, of Genesis and, and rebirth, and also like Shabalba and like Mayan ancient religion and all these weird different aspects were just jumps from the renaissance and queen isabella and conquistadors and all of a sudden you're flying through uh, the main characters flying uh, flying through space in a in a bubble with a tree of life that's hmm. fed and, this sounds like this game <laughs> yeah no it totally was they're like the same thing and, and critics were perfectly divided flat down the middle it still to this day probably has 50 percent on metacritic or on, uh, not Metacritic, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Just because, like, and it wasn't like, you know, that one person's like, yeah, it's a, it's not it's not that great. And another person's like, thought, thought the same thing. Everyone was pretty much like, it's the greatest thing or it's the worst thing in the world. Like, it's completely split. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that El Shaddai is pretty much in that same kind of realm. Like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Well, the Metacritic rating's pretty high, actually. Oh, I'm really? surprised. Well, oh. for PS3, it's 78. Oh yeah, yeah. For 360, it's 75 ish, but I imagine that uh, there's lower ratings. Let me check. Oh, of course, yeah. 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 (laughs) There's like ones that are going up to 90, and then all the way down to like 33, 40, whatever. Yeah, absolutely, and that and and that just indicates that this is this is going to be this is either going to be your game or not. And for me, it's my game, and for you, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. (laughs) I'm gonna give it to Joe, and he's gonna like it. Yeah, I, I actually think that Joe Joe might really really dig. Well, I don't know, because um, I know that I mean like he and I probably you know lean in the same direction on a lot of tastes, but uh, I'm definitely curious as to what he thinks of it, and we'll have to bring him on for a little bit of that discussion at a later time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. We'll find out though. Yeah, I'll have oh, to find um, him. I, I took a little bit of notes on this game because like I, I wanted to be really thorough about Ooh, what notes, I thought. Notes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to be much more studious as as I get into <laughs> actually being like a quote-unquote games journalist or whatever you want to call us. The, the one thing that I was really think, thinking about this game uh, today, I was like kind of like meditating on, on the word and meditating on like what, 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 are, what are the subjects in here that are worth noting. And, and one thing that you and, and Ted brought up was that for a, game made, for a game that's named after God, you don't actually really see God very much brought up or, or really addressed in, in, in a transparent way. And things and are I, happening, but he's not involved. And things are happening, but he and, and and things are happening that he gets credit for, or that is overtly his work. But he's not 
visibly engaged in that. And I thought that in that sense, it's kind of similar to, to the subject of, of the book of Esther, like how, how God, even though it's, it's canon, it's, it's one of the great stories in the Bible, God's name's never even mentioned in it. And, and it's yet, yet it's one of his stories. And, and of course the word, the name Esther means hidden. And within, within El Shaddai, like it's, it's actually much more about like God's indirect involvement in the subject. If, if, and, and, and how that is seen differently from different perspectives, perhaps. Like I, I like to think of in like when, when, we pray for something. Typically, as we Christians pray for something, and we see a response, and we see resolve, we see um, money come through, or we see uh, um, a job come through. There's a very direct line of events that often completely lines up in the practical. Like an atheist will look at it and say, "Yeah, that's not God. That's just you know circum- coincidence." Yeah, coincidence. And and you know, and we we as believers still attribute thank God for for everything, and you know, and that's one of the the, the things that we're probably criticized for in many ways. Like you know, even I think of silly things that we that we thank God for sometimes, like getting a good parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that that might be right rightfully you know questioned, but but the point being that God's involvement in our lives and God's blessings and the things that God does and provides us food and nourishment and all those things has a practical take back too, but we can still faithfully attribute it to God. Hmm. I, you know what? I think the maybe my problem with the game from mm-hmm. the storytelling perspective of mm-hmm. being based on at least around the issues of the flood and the Nephilim described in Genesis, mm-hmm. wherein in the, you know, the old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, whichever one doesn't offend you, um, <laughs> uh, God is much more active in terms of talking to people or telling them what to do or that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas the yeah. perspective in this game would tend towards the more modern interpretation of how those things work, right? Yeah. And I think it's kind of yeah, it's a dis- it's a kind of a discrepancy just from, you know, going to scripture and then going to this. Even in the book of Enoch, God is pretty much involved. He just yeah. sends uh, Enoch as a messenger and says, yeah. you know, you need to do this or that. You know, they're and going to be sent to hell or whatever it's yeah. equivalent. And that's the fascinating thing about Enoch. I mean, by implication, he was a prophet. He was he was a significant man of God who could talk to God and engage with God on a daily sense. And he, of course, was also in Jesus' lineage and in, in our in our ancestry leading up to Noah and and all those things. Like he's he he was an a, a pivotal figure, even though he didn't get much in the way of verses in in our our. our our canon. He was a very important person, uh, and by implication, could talk to God. Yet in the game, because the player is playing as him, and because there's something about player agency when you have a character speaking for you, that can be distracting for many players. They try to, you know, one of the main thing things a lot of designers try to do is keep the main playable character from talking. Yet there's only one thing that Enoch says in the whole game. It's you know? uh, when you die, right? Or yeah, well, when you when you come back after after you you've button mashed from him falling, he says, no problem, everything's fine. <laughs> I didn't even know that was him until I read the articles, so that should tell you how obfuscating it is. I know, and I thought it was Lucifer too, like, until I until I researched it, too, and realized, oh, wait, that really is him. That makes sense. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except for the, you know, like you said, there's that aspect and that, that question as a game designer, if you're going to create a, something that is based on um, something that is based on God, are you, A, going to make 
give God a literal voice within the framework. Because that's that's a really, really big deal if you do that, A. And B, is your main, well, pretty much the bigger question of, of all game design is do you make your playable character have a voice? And and of course, by by being in that, that the role of that character, you have to realize whatever they're going to say, there might be a major disconnect with the player and, and the person that they're playing as their avatar. Because, I mean, how many times have we played as jerks in video games and we're like, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Often, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's very many characters in video games that are that who speak, who are playable characters that are likable. I mean, maybe maybe in terms of like like Mario, obviously, you know, but he doesn't really say much more than it's to me. You know, like there's 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 a limited amount that that Mario ever says. And uh, well, there's context. I mean, it's pretty exactly. obvious that you're good and everyone else is bad. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that and that, of course, you know. I think there's three different kinds of, of players in the realm. Those who always want to be the good guy, who are always knowing that they're good. People who like to play the bad guy and like like being able to play bad all the time. And people who like to be really ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I love, I, I'm almost always going full Paragon. You know, that, that's come up in some of the blogs that I've, I've uh, posted with you. Yeah. But I also find the open to interpretation like not really knowing what's going on that's personally my preference because i find the options in there always tend to be a little bit more curious maybe maybe not interesting might be might be too reductive but curious and like where's this going what 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 is going to come of this and i like it straightforward so yeah, that's obvious yeah. enough <laughs> yeah. which is which is understandable and and, and uh, quite un, quite agreeable there's there's definitely a number of things we could still talk about in the game but the the last thing that that i that is probably important about the story for me is this subject of ishtar and i and, did not know what was happening at all <laughs> yeah that that was the only she was the only thing in the game that i completely don't understand <laughs> like Maybe you have to collect her bones and you get a special ending or something. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, that that's the part that I don't understand is you go around and, and, and while you're inside the, the, the Metatron, while you're inside the tower and, and going up the, the flights of stairs and, and doing all the platforming and fighting, you come across these humans who are hunched over and they'll give you a piece of Ish, Ishtar's, Ishtar's prophecy. Um, now, Ishtar, the name, just like Ezekiel, Ezekiel um, in the game is, is, is a woman and is not meant to be representative of, of the actual biblical character, Ezekiel. Um, it's just the same name. Like, you'll see many people with the same name in, ah. in, in the Hebrew language. But Ishtar is a very strange name to pick. For me, like, it's one of the weirdest and most surprising things, because Ishtar is the name of the Babylonian goddess of fertility. And I know this because of a lot of undercutting anti-Easter propaganda that says, you know, you're celebrating the Babylonian fertility goddess Ishtar, which we just renamed Easter. And I don't know. I, I mean, all that stuff, just a lot of propaganda in my mind. Well, it may be true that we celebrate there, Easter on that day. Yeah. And, and, and the implications of, of the timing and the way and, you know, obviously the, the, the use of eggs and representing, you know, Easter egg hunts and, and fertility and all that. Yeah. And why bunnies? Very pagan. Yeah. You know, and, and bon bunnies are actually somewhat related to, I mean, bunnies, fertility, you know, all that stuff comes all back around to one another and, and, and worshiping, you know, sex and reproduction and stuff like that, which is, you know, where a lot of religions get sex worship comes from the original Babylonian goddess Ishtar. 
So it was a very strange name for them to pick and run with for a character who's the tritagonist or tragonist, the, the third most important character in, in the game, who is kind of like, like I, she's never quite crossing over the line to being like Enoch's love interest. Um, but there's like implication to it. And that's weird. Yeah. And, but she's, she's the one who fights with him and for him as he's locked away within his own soul. Ah, and uh, that is true. And and that's the weird part. Like where the, the 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 exact words that that the angels say when they mention what happened to Nana when she goes from being a girl to being a full grown woman who fights the archangels or fights the the watchers rather. She transfigured into Ishtar. Like that's the very specific word to use. And that that's probably the most confusing part to me. Like transfigured isn't usually what we call a person when they go from being, you know, a, a, a young teenager to being a full grown adult after 10 years. Like that's, I don't, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> quite why she got the name Ishtar and, and, and how she, that was considered the, the resurrection quote unquote of Ishtar. You know what? I think you're just supposed to take it at face value. Yeah. You're like, probably, this you're, is how the universe works in yeah. this particular game. And then you just yeah. kind of accept that the, uh, you know, the resurrection of Ishtar or, you know, yeah. the second coming is part of a prophecy. So it, long ago. it was, it was the one part of the game that I couldn't connect with. Like this, it's that, that I, I mean that I had absolutely no connection with. Like, I, like, I, like, yeah, she's, she's an interesting character as far as like her role in, in fitting with things goes. And like, the fact that she has like a pet Nephilim and like it's 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 conceptually interesting, but the it, it weaken it makes the plot feel a lot thinner. Yeah, or or maybe it's because of that Japanese impulse, because you know right. Shinto and yeah. Buddhism are Buddhism's not polytheist, but Shinto certainly oh, yeah, absolutely. is polytheist, and you know they just see different religions as like different philosophies or yeah. you know just different ways of looking at the world. So. Basically, yeah. they could just pluck resources from whatever religion they want and then sure. put it in there. So maybe that's why Ishtar's in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's, I mean, Ishtar and 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 ancient Mesopotamia and Babylon and all that. I mean, it all fits conceptually within that same Semitic, yeah, of quote unquote, three hundred and sixty thousand years ago or fourteen thousand years ago or whatever it was. You yeah, know? where was Gilgamesh? You know? Yeah, yeah that's what I want to know. I want to, I want to see where Gilgamesh was in all of this and and. Uh, where did all those ancient kings, did they really live as long as they said that they did in that epic? I wonder. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they lived a long time back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good question. So, um, oh, and what, the last the last thing that I thought was kind of hilarious, um, I finished the game with uh, with my buddy Alex, who I, who I, who's, who I, I bring over and kind of mentor and stuff. He, he and I watched the last part of the game, and it was very interesting uh, how all of a sudden, and this this is major spoiler of how what happens at the very end. I'm like, okay, we just beat Cthulhu Armoros. <laughs> dark um, Armoros. Yeah, Dark Armoros. But I mean, he's really Cthulhu. We know this. Is he? No, no. I'm I'm I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm I'm totally teasing. Um, <laughs> I don't know enough about Cthulhu to say so. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's just like a Cthulhu version. Like he's like, the, he's he's got the whole eye thing, and he looks like more Cthulhuized. I don't know. It's, what? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just crazy nonsense. And I'm like, this feels like it the is boss crazy battle. nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> this this feels like the epic boss battle at the end of a game, but it doesn't make sense because I'm in Semyaza's realm, and Semyaza is going to be my the boss of the game, right? 
Yeah. And so as soon as you, you, you defeat Dark Armoros and, and he like he's dying because you killed him and he just gives you a, a, a like a smile as he's had final clarity and all that's over. And then and then you're like, all right, well, we're going <laughs> to Lucifer and um, Ishtar and, and, and Enoch, me, uh, we're all going to go up into uh, Sem- Semyaza's room. And, and uh, I guess that's going to be our final boss battle. And then you get there and then oh, it's no. like, yeah, nope. Nope, he's not. He's not here. It was very unsatisfying, I have to say. <laughs> and and all, all I'm thinking is, uh, well, that was weird. And then Al- Alex, Alex's exact words were, "I doubt this actually happened in the Book of Enoch." <laughs> <laughs> well, Semiazi's gone. You know why? Because he he fell yes. down and was injured or something. Yeah, we we don't know what happened to him. He's just gone. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, I have I have the, the the game in the background looping, and one one other random little detail that I think is worth mentioning: the Chaldean throughout the game, like the, the actual like language that you see, uh, the letters that you're seeing throughout the game that that look like weird and letters. Yeah, they're, they're letters. It's Chaldean. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, oh, I, you I, mean I, like the monument? I, think, I forget whether it was on a monument, it's... but you see you see this writing throughout the game that's in in, in, in another language that looks weird and abstract. And it's totally Chaldean. I don't. I can't read Chaldean, um, considering it's. I mean, Chal, I, I don't know if you know this. Chaldean is actually the the der, the the deriv, derivative language of Aramaic. So it's it's oh. actually uh, people still speak it. You know, obviously the Chaldean people, which is um, a smaller people group out of uh, I believe mostly North, the the Kurdish peoples. But there's other there's other Chaldean peoples and people who still speak Chaldean, which is the closest language to what Jesus actually spoke. So again, it's kind of like that borrowing, mixing, and matching from ancient Middle East that that they did throughout the game. And and when Armoros says to Enoch at the very end, right when he he's dying and says goodbye, he he. Uh, says thank you and it says it in in chaldean text like it cuts away like a silent film and just says that underneath underneath the chaldean it says thank you in english huh. um, which I, you know artistically I, I i can dig that i've i've seen chaldean before when i was in when i was in northern kurdistan and uh so i i, I it's it's one of the languages that i recognize because it's just very jarring when you look at it, it looks kind of like for lack of a better term kind of like a middle eastern heavy metal language um <laughs> <laughs> i just figured they made up something but this is no i mean it would make sense if they were to make it up but that's the cool thing is that they didn't and that it actually is chaldean writing so I there don't know. is research put into this game oh yeah totally totally i mean like they i mean there's obviously a lot of research i mean like who even in christianity even knows about the book of the book of enoch like except for the people who really really get into the bible and like you i know, certainly, read, yeah read, well jude it's in jude but. yeah and 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 you read I, I mean and i only know because i read jude and i was like what is it referencing here and michael and what's all this talking about so that's that's and that's the only way that you come across it is if, if you're really reading your bible <laughs> <laughs> um so like for them to even pick that as the subject matter and to run with it like they 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 got they got they did some interesting digging for sure for sure I'm oh and when, last point from the the tail end of the game another major spoiler that's hilarious um the whole the credits run the whole way through and I lost it when I saw the final credits it said best player you in all caps <laughs> <laughs> oh did you die in the darkness no okay no. so I'm the only one that got the weird ending yeah yeah, yeah. go do that you get the weird ending. Okay. Yeah, because the game actually, like, it literally ends. There's huh. a whole ending cutscene, and you die. 
Huh, interesting. That's the only time you can really die, right, in the whole game? Well, no, honestly, like, I died a lot. Like, I got, I got to, I had to get to continue screens a number of times because I'm not that good of a button masher, apparently. Oh, but it it says it's not over yet, right? Yeah, but, you know, it it will go, it gives you the option to reload. Yeah, it immediately gives you the opportunity to continue, yeah. When when you die in the darkness, it doesn't. Yeah. uh It sends you back to the main menu. Huh. It's the weirdest. Go seriously, just go do it once. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, it's um the way I would describe it is Enoch uh, gets the armor on and yeah, you know the darkness armor or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He like puts that on. He's permanently in the darkness and it plays like awkward music and you can control the game still, but it's really creepy. <laughs> 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 I don't know why that happened to me once, but it was oh. yeah. And the and the credits scroll by like at a million yeah. miles an hour, for some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that that actually reminds me of, of another another game that was made that that was kind of like biblically biblically oriented, an iOS game that's called Foreigner. It's it's made to look like uh, totally like a uh, Game Boy game, hmm. and it just starts out and it, it references this verse to uh, to uh, a psalm, and then you get the opportunity to either climb these crazy ladders or descend into Sheol. <laughs> <laughs> and and the original build of the game didn't let you descend into Sheol because um, it just starts out and an angel comes and he talks to you and you can either go right or left and go down and it's all this weird old school Game Boy style and you just keep digging into Sheol until you just die. Um, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> well, that's that's on, that's only if you decide to play that route. So when the game very right when the game starts, you have two directions you can go. You can either go up or down. Well, what is this um, called again? Foreigner. It's four, the letter four, or the number four, then the letter N and the letter R. Four N R. Foreigner. And uh, you can actually play it online. Um, but I don't know if they have the uh, the pre the iOS version, which they have a version before the iOS where you can you can actually go down. But the only reason why I bring that up is just because that there's that that strange dynamic and that that I find this really interesting. Where if you are put into a player position and you are told that you have to go and do this. You have to go and be anti, you know, ascend to heaven with all of your might or whatever in, 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 in this case. Um, or you can try to descend into Sheol uh, or just, just dig down and just go down. So basically you're either trying to go down or you're trying to go up. That's the, 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 the core mechanic of the experience. But um, I think there's this current philosophy in game design that if you don't give players a choice on what they're going to be doing, um, you're kind of skimping out. Um, so I think that when, when El Shaddai gave you the option to just fall in, into darkness, that that was kind of their, here's another way if this is what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it strange because, I mean, the game is linear and there's these little optional sections. And I'm like, oh, okay, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, so yeah. I jumped around, I got the bones every once in a while. And then one time yeah. I just died because I wasn't paying attention. And then I got my big long cutscene for some reason. <laughs> that was confusing to say the least. That's awesome. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so recommended, die once in the darkness. Alright, alright. I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> so um yeah, I think I think that, that that fully satisfies all the things that I wanted to talk about about uh Well, that uh, just about covers it, I think. We've yeah. talked about I've talked about two hours but I should die. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think you're ready to get rid of it. Okay, one last random thing, just because I'm I'm reskimming my notes here, and I just want to make sure. One more, um, one more. Yeah, yeah. Did, did, what did you think about all of a sudden at the very end of the credits? Again, spoiler alert. Um, all of a sudden, you see the water nephilim, like like one of the bosses, in towards the the two thirds through the game, about you're fighting the fire nephilim, which was 
you know, the, the, the Nephilim were eating one another, and then they become these giant rage monsters, and they're oh, destroying everything. Oh, the water everything. one survives. That's and, what I mean. And then you see the water one right at, like, after the credits. I, I, think, I think it was after the credits. I know it was, like, right at the very end. It could have been right before the credits. But, yeah, all of a sudden you just see the the water Nephilim just, just keep swimming along, like, whatever. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that was trying to say or do. It might be, like, you know, implying that the Nephilim were, to some degree, still around after the flood or... Or I think Armoros is supposed to be reborn or something. Huh. That would be my guess. The reason why I go more At least his descendants live on. Yeah, because I I guess... He was redeemed, remember, right? Because of the actions that he took. And then he decided, you know, then God lets his live on for some reason. But that doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's still very, very odd. I mean, but but we do have we do have Nephilim in the later parts of the New Testament. Well, not later parts, but you know, when she when she start the Israelites start getting to Canaan, all of a sudden you start they start talking about how um, Joshua goes in in, and and the other spies Caleb go go into Canaan and they see all these giant peoples, um, including you know as the most famous of them all, Goliath, um, who. The word in Hebrew, when it refers to them as giants, is Nephilim. I don't. I'm, I'm not saying like that. That this is like some like great theological tie-in of this, this <laughs> solving solving this epic problem that we've had with. with <laughs> no, I think it's setting up for a sequel. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that that that's a simpler answer. I like mine better though. Yeah, well, yours sounds cooler, <laughs> so we're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast Addendum 4B. See, that sounds cool. And uh, we talked a lot about El Shaddai. So, if you like this, please uh, give us a review on iTunes. Five star preferred. Please tell us if we did good. Please tell us if we did bad. These, I, I, they're I all like useful. The bad ones, because sometimes they're the they're the funniest ones to read. This game. My... I don't it's like this game. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Positive feedback appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that, you're, you're probably right. We're not going to get more. We're not going to get more people listening to this podcast based on negative reviews. <laughs> oh, no. it'll, it'll entertain me at least. That's all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to lots and lots of El Jedi talk, and we'll uh, see you around. Bye bye. Bye bye.